0: Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the safety brief today we have a full house with Emily Tanner and Matt joining us in on this conversation as always thank you all for being here today we will be discussing prevention plus detection and response I think to kick off this conversation we should start by understanding the differences between the two tools so um, Tanner would you like to go ahead and get us started there
1: yeah so prevention detection and response um, the differences between those two tools um, it's pretty evident um, especially when you when you look at who's providing what and and where these two tools bring value right they both have a value um, but prevention is going to be looking at that the stopping the premature uh, termination of um, malicious acts um, especially with endpoints and um, servers alike, um, when you're looking at those prevention, stopping what is occurring on those devices uh, before they ever make it to the user, right? Uh, Detection and response or EDR um, with respect to the endpoint um, is going to be the ingestion, the analytics, uh, the telemetry behind what is occurring, not stopping it, um, not putting anything in place, for the most part, um, to action or remediate those um, those malicious events. So uh, the differences between those two, I would say, that's the primary. Um, Matt, I know you have a lot more to say about the endpoint, but um,
2: yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, you, what you have, what you've outlined is pretty much on point. Um, prevention. You know, obviously it's designed to keep it from getting in. It's designed to keep from being able to do anything. I liken the detection and response to what I witnessed when I was, you know, growing up in school. Detection and response is the annoying child that sits there and watches as something happens and then runs to the teacher and tattles. They let it happen. But they made sure to vocalize it afterwards. So everybody knew what was going on. That's pretty much the way that I I look at detection and response. It's not stopping anything. It's just sitting there kind of like, I see what you're doing. I'm going to get you in trouble after the fact. But this is too fun to watch. So go ahead.
0: That makes perfect sense (laughs) and being an analyst, I feel like um, having a DR tool on top of prevention tools uh, really helps allow us to better investigate those prevented events. So when we just have those um, prevention tools in place, uh, such as MADE and SCUD without the DR section of that, it's harder to pinpoint an exact um, reason or where it started and when it started or if there's a a persistent foothold and so forth Um, so how would you say that having prevention plus detection and response, uh, can make these products provide, um, better services such as SCUD plus CDR and MADE plus CDR?
2: Ooh, see, that's a good one. Do you want to go Tanner?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, personally, I, I think that the two can, they feed off of each other, right? To make a overall solution better, um, when you have prevention, I know Matt just had his, his uh, metaphor, um, but I look at it like a house, right? You can put up security cameras. You can lock your deadbolt. Uh, both of those are doing two different things. So when you lock that deadbolt, you're preventing somebody from entering your home, just like your network or your cloud environment. Um, you can lock that deadbolt and nobody can get in, but you also aren't really paying attention to who walked around and looked in the windows, or who tried to open the door and didn't make it? Uh, the same applies to cybersecurity and and securing your cloud um, your cloud environments. That camera in itself isn't stopping anybody from opening your door. You don't have the deadbolt, the prevention. That camera is just watching. It'll give you the intel to who maybe is there, who's tugging on the door handle. Etc., and you're not going to have any action taken. So, when you put those two together, now you have somebody tugging on a locked door handle and you're seeing who that person is. Did they walk around and look at the windows? And I know that's a really long metaphor, but when you have the prevention in place and the detection and response, it's allowing these analysts to see okay, this was stopped. We did what we were supposed to do with the prevention aspect. Now, who was there? Who had access? Who was dropping files? Who tried? And uh, it allows that. It almost steps up the prevention with that human validation, um, and it Mm -hmm. ties it all together. It's a lot better than
2: what I was going to say. I was just going to say that security has layers. It's kind of like an ogre. Lots of layers.
0: An ogre or an onion.
2: (laughs) Well, if you remember, onions have layers, and ogres have layers. (laughs) They also have a friend donkey that walks along with them. So, you know, gotta, gotta, gotta go there. But when you're dealing with security, you have to have layering. If you don't have layering, then you're basically just relying on that one line of defense. We have to be completely honest here. A lot of people, and I have seen vendors that have said this, where they say we offer hundred percent protection. Do you now? Do you now? I remember a certain company that started with the letter C that made a promise of that when they first came out. Their stock soared, and then people started realizing that they were getting just completely inundated with things that it did not touch. The promise was a lie. You can't do that. There is nothing that is going to be impenetrable. Even the Cybertruck was not impenetrable. Let's be honest here. So adding the layering in, adding cloud detection and response, adding everything with the endpoint, having them work together. You have a a team there that is able to report on so many different things. You're not just limited to, oh, let's see what's on the endpoint. Now you've got perimeter. You've got the ability to actually see where it came from. What was it communicating with? You've got the ability to then see what was doing on the endpoint. You can put all this together and you can get a really lovely profile of what the attack was and figure out the best way to prevent against it if, perchance, it was not prevented. Now, remember, prevention, if done correctly, does have a very high success rate.
3: So, another thing I want to... These guys are doing a great job of talking about technically why this is so important um, and why these two solutions need to come together and that's that's their wheelhouse and that's exactly where we're at from a marketing and sales perspective there's another reason why it was so important for us to add these tools together and start to layer on in an onion or a parfait of this security here and the reason is there are canary in the mine solutions that are out there dropping alerts anytime a piece of toilet paper falls or anytime something minute might happen, they're going to throw an alert in the system. And the perception is because they alerted early and often, they are a more effective tool or they are a more Gregarious tool for the solution, right? When in all reality, what we're finding is those tools while they're alerting early and often, they're either false alerts, false positives, or giving homework for a solution that has already completed the task. And Fulmer, I want you to dive into this a little bit more, obviously, without naming names in terms of what this what's happening in this situation. But we have found we've had many partners come to us saying, hey, a solution caught this. Yours didn't. When in all reality, it's not that ours didn't. It's actually that ours stopped it we just didn't necessarily alert on it. We prevented it. We didn't provide you homework or we didn't provide you a particular alert on it. So there's a very different perception versus reality situation that we're dealing with um, that additional DR solutions have allowed us to come closer to getting perception and reality the same. But if you wanna jump into that a little bit more.
2: Sure. So our prevention solution is pretty amazing. Uh, We throw it at, we throw everything that we possibly can at it. Uh, For example, we had somebody the other day that, I don't know why, but they made the claim that they had something that was fully undetectable that no vendor would ever detect, much less prevent. Yeah, it didn't work very well for them. Uh, We shut it down without even thinking twice. Um, The difference with our solution is you can configure it to where it's not extremely noisy. So you have the capability to go in and you can actually hide the interface. But when you hide the interface, you also hide pop-ups. That's good and bad. It's good because your user is not going to be notified every time something crazy happens on the machine that they shouldn't be doing. Technically, that's, you know, the user education can be done at a, a later point. Preventing is the important part. So unless you log in and you look at it, you're not receiving these pop-ups. You're not receiving notifications. It was prevented, but you're not necessarily receiving notifications. So fast forward, you have a detection and response utility that is you know, also running in your environment as augmentation, which is perfectly fine. But when something comes in that is innocuous, and by innocuous, I mean a batch file, PowerShell file, PS1 file, which is, you know, only going to interact when PowerShell actually runs it. Uh, JavaScript. JavaScript natively does not run unless it's interacted with by the scripting host. There is no reason to report on those because those files themselves are not malicious until interacted with by something else. So we had an example. We ended up, you know, preventing something that was relatively nasty. It was PowerShell. We prevented it we didn't need to send anything to somebody and, and say, Hey, you know, this was done. We we took care of the issue. You don't have to worry about the issue, but like three days later, they get notified, Hey, uh, this attempted to run on a machine. You should go and, you know, and, and take care of this and prevent it from running. Okay. We already did three days ago, just because a file is there doesn't mean that it's malicious. I mean, think about all of the lolbins bins that are sitting out there. Do you want something that's going to report every time a law bin is, you know, on the machine itself? It's not malicious. It's only malicious when somebody weaponizes it and uses it against you. I mean, I can only imagine if somebody finds any of the, I think, 30, 40 some odd drivers that Microsoft had that were vulnerable, if they start classifying those as, as a, a precursor or an IOC, uh, you're, you're going to start getting inundated with a whole bunch of Microsoft files and it's going to say you need to action this. Okay? If you delete those, you're going to have a really bad day. Your system's not going to run anymore. So it comes down to having a little bit more and the understanding of what's being prevented versus what's really giving you homework to go in and research that may not actually be malicious and only becomes malicious when it's been acted on or what the
0: I think it's also important to think how Blockworks likes to promote the fact that we provide peace of mind. So when you get those type of alerts saying, oh, this malicious file is on here, it's from three days ago um, from your example, and you know, they're thinking, oh my gosh, like it's already in my environment, Um, anything could happen, but when you have the prevention on top of that, you have that peace of mind and we're not giving you homework like Emily said we're not telling you to go in and find this file and do this and do that it's already prevented at the time of the event so it is nice to have that extra layer of understanding what's there and what it is but it's also really important to have that layer of prevention
1: and I won't... important thing oh go ahead go ahead oh I was just gonna say I, w- I won't uh, talk bad about prevention but prevention is meant to prevent that, that's all it's meant for. And so when, like Emily says, with, with some of these non-technical folks, something comes in, they're alerted to it or not alerted to it, right? That can be good and bad in both, both respects. Um, so we can prevent something. They're not alerted, but in my specific wheelhouse in the cloud and with email, and those are communications. Those aren't just files. People are trying to, to be productive and interact with each other, mm-hmm. um, and so that Having just the prevention tool is great. We're stopping those malicious acts from occurring. But when those false positives come, when those alerts come, people interacting with their clients specifically in the cloud with CDR or adding CDR brings a benefit there to the insight. You might not you might not have gotten an alert or you, we might have stopped or this prevention tool might have stopped uh, an email that was intended to get to you or needed to get to you. It was benign, et cetera. Um, with the two tools together, we can prevent it, but I can't tell you exactly what it was beforehand, right? I, I can maybe give you a little bit, but these prevention tools aren't meant to analyze more than this is malicious, this is not malicious. Add CDR, or Cloud Detection and Response, or EDR on in its own respect. Um, now these analysts can give a lot more of that metadata. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what happened before it got prevented? What was it trying to do? Um, and when these questions come up, the reason I bring up cloud specifically, not only do I work mainly in it, but um, like I said, these communications are important and, and mere minutes, hours, um, that can get in the way of a lot of productivity. And so CDR can bring a lot of that. This may have been a false positive. Here is why. Here is what it looked like. Um, we, we saw it here. We stopped it here. And then you can go and obviously act and tune and, and help that AI become better at, at what it does best preventing.
2: And another thing to remember is the R in the EDR or the DR or the CDR yeah. is response. It's not remediation. That's a very important thing. I think a lot of people don't really catch on to the fact that response doesn't mean that it's going to do more than notify. That's why having all of the data, having everything that's that's necessary is going to allow you to go in there and do that remediation in the event that something is not prevented outright. It's going to cut down on the time that you're going to have to take in order to investigate to make that educated decision to then get people back on their way doing what they need as part of their daily job.
0: I want to tie back onto Tanner's analogy with the security system. Um, for me, when I think of um, detection and response, I'm thinking we have those like the cameras and the doorbell camera and we get the notification, but our front door's unlocked without the prevention. So you really need both of those to commingle together for it to be secure and bring like profit. And to also mm-hmm. harken
3: back to something Tanner was saying. These tools have allowed us to answer a question we weren't really able to answer as well before, and it's the why. Why did this happen? Where did it come from? Our analysts have been able to get a whole lot of added telemetry. So as we've rolled out this EDR tool and this CDR tool, um, we've gotten the question, okay, this sounds great for BlockWorks, right? This totally helps your SOC do their jobs better. It helps them be more actionable what's in it for me um, and how we position that conversation to the MSP and how we position that conversation to the end customer at the end of the day. Um, And what it's become is really, it's we are now able to answer that why. We're now able to get behind the data and better understand the behavior. And something Matt said earlier is that education can come later for the end user when we're solely preventing, which is an absolute great thing to do, right? You do want something prevented. So like Tanner said, we're not knocking prevention in any way. We are prevention centric, prevention forward. But when we add this DR component to it, we now have a baseline of what we need to educate on. We now have a baseline of behavior that we now understand a whole lot better that you now can go into your client environments and educate them differently. You can now go into a QBR or a TBR, And explain to clients the behaviors that you're seeing that are causing us to need to prevent things to begin with, which overall makes it a safer, better, more healthy environment. Before we move forward here, I want to take a step back. We're using our acronyms of MADE plus CDR and SCUD plus CDR, like everybody in the world knows what they are. Um, And we love our acronyms. But at the end of the day, Perhaps people don't quite know what they are, particularly because Scud plus CDR was released earlier this week. Um, But if, Matt, you could take Made plus EDR and just give us a brief rundown of what that is, what the components are. And then, Tanner, if you could take Scud plus CDR and give us a brief rundown there um, for those that may not be as familiar, um, that would be stupendously fabulous for us. And for those that are like, you know, what? I'm not going to ever use Scott or I don't think I'm ever going to use Scott or I don't think I'm ever going to use me. This is the part of the conversation where you can cue in and say, Oh, but this is the tool that I utilize for that um, to make it make sense.
2: Yeah. We have a, we have an interactive chat thing on Twitch and on LinkedIn by all means we, we see everything that anybody types. So, you know, if you guys want to actually like interact with us, it's fantastic. We would like it makes it a little bit more fun for us, too. Um, I'll, I'll start with the made plus EDR aspect of things. So made is managed, advanced endpoint defense. And then you add the plus, which means you're adding something. And then you have endpoint detection and response. What does that mean? That means that we have the strongest level of prevention possible for the endpoint Along with an EDR component that gives us the capability to report on things and do a lot of other stuff that uh, we we can't really bring up on the the live stream because secret sauce. And unlike McDonald's, we're not going to tell you that it's just Thousand Island. Um, so there you go. Uh, but it does. We have the capability to do a lot of very interesting things, a lot of automation, and a lot of reporting. That we've implemented on the back end uh, that others just cannot and will not do, um, along with some other unique things that down the road you guys will will see and will probably become new offerings. But let's just say that our our EDR uh, combined with our current endpoint prevention stack, it's it's a little bit ridiculous, and that's in a good way. I've yet to be bested when I'm actually using it so i'm I'm speaking from experience on this one
1: and for scud um very similar to what matt was saying Uh, scud is going to be your secure cloud unified defense so we're taking those concepts that you have with endpoints and we're bringing it up into the cloud um, obviously becoming much more popular Um, it it already is but uh, growing even based on what it was earlier this month right um, so Secure Cloud Unified Defense is going to be your baseline prevention um, that BlockWorks utilizes um, Avanon. There's a patented um, inline protection for your email where you get that that baseline of prevention, right? We're utilizing um, AI scanning servers with large databases um, and taking relationship um, relationships into consideration to make sure that your communications are secure within those SaaS applications. Um Now the CDR portion of this, very much like EDR, um, your cloud detection and response, this is bringing in everything that Matt said on the endpoint, the same, uh, to the cloud. You're gonna be able to um, gain that extra telemetry, build in extra automation. Um, It's adding with that plus CDR, it's adding to the value that the prevention already brings. Um, Without going too deep into it, there's a number of different things that scud plus cdr specifically can do in the cdr space um, that allows that automation to uh, tying back to alerts and false positives just be a lot more accurate in in these decisions that are being made um, and the explanations that the SOC can give then in turn bringing down the alert fatigue of course on on the end user and the msp
2: so one thing to to point out about that you mentioned the fatigue so. First off, I have to throw this out there. BlockWorks has a 100% U.S.-based managed SOC, okay? That's something that I don't know many others that can actually say. Now, when it comes to fatigue, mostly alert fatigue, that's something that if you guys as customers were getting annoyed with, you can imagine how our engineers would be getting annoyed with them. So our entire goal when we're adding new products to our mix is to make our jobs easier, which means that inherently it's going to make your jobs easier because you're going to have more information provided to you while our team on the back end is managing everything to keep you safe. So, you know, we talked about the security system. We talked about the cameras. Okay, well, I guess that we would incorporate Blockworks in there as basically being the suit of armor around the world. I mean, that's the best way that I can really look at it. All of this ties together, all of this works together in absolute harmony. The goal is to keep our way of life as we know it without being impacted. If you guys haven't seen lately, there was an attack in Pennsylvania on a water control system. There are hospitals that have been impacted with ransomware in the United States within the last few days. They have been impacted to the point they could not accept patients. Ambulances were being turned around and they were having to go to other hospitals in the area. That's a situation that is life-threatening if you're the person in the ambulance. our goal with all of our products is to ensure that our way of life, as we know it right now, the comfort levels we have, what's available to us doesn't become impacted. And with prevention and layering, that's possible.
3: There we go. All right. Uh, so it's with this prevention and layering, it's one of our defense in depth methods um, in terms of we have specific things complete visibility defense in depth all these kind of things we can go into the specific principles but i want to dive into a little bit more where this can go overboard um, and talk a little bit about people that layer on tool after tool after tool Thinking Mm. that they're adding protection and thinking that they're adding security and safety because of the number of tools and really the pitfalls that can come from that, whether it's configuration, whether it's full utilization of the tool, or whether it's just generally false sense of security. Um, So I kind of want to talk about this principle a little bit about the pilot higher and deeper um, when it comes to cybersecurity services. And does that make you more secure or does that make you more vulnerable?
1: Yeah, um, I'll, I can I can start here. Um, By all means, go for it. So it's something we've heard very frequently, right? Um, there are a number of our partners that that come to us with I mean, I've heard everything upwards of thirty uh, different solutions, which is absolutely mind-boggling. Um, and and I could see with maybe limited education in the space where that would seem better, um, but uh, it was something we were to, looking at earlier. Um, with misconfigurations, you can have all the tools in the world um, and you can put them out there. Uh, we like to call it set it and forget it. Uh, you can put them out there, put them in place, attach them to your tenant environment or organization's environment, and just watch everything happen. Um, with that um, there there's additional issues that are gonna that are gonna come into play, right You might have a sock with five, six people. Now you have 30 tools, five, six people. Each of those tools are bringing in thousands of events. Um, And there's a piece of this that's tuning as well, right? Um, That where, I mean, you can tune that down. That's also man hours on your sock. Um, All tying back to this fatigue. Um, The overall number of solutions or products that you put in place is solely their value is solely brought based on the configuration and care and feeding that you provide them. Um, So with that being said, uh, we we are sitting here talking about a prevention solution and a detection and response solution. Two might seem like very little to a lot of people, um, but when you're looking at SCUD as a service and the way BlockWorks operates, and then SCUD plus CDR, with those two solutions alone, standalone, we now have a full SOC 24-7 who can monitor, tune out false positives to better the experience for the end users, lessening those alerts coming your way um, and also maintaining that very, very high aptitude prevention with prevention, detection and response, right? Ha- you, the man hours are going into detection and response. And you have the prevention still there as the baseline, providing that you don't need anything else. um, In short, There's, um, there's a lot of time that goes into the configuration of these tools to make them the best that they can be. And one of the best parts about the way that we are managing SCUD and MADE and SCUD plus CDR and MADE plus EDR is the overall tailoring that you can provide by doing that. Having that man that manpower behind the two tools, um, respectively for each each different layer of the the environment, allows us to bring a a better experience to the end user. We understand that not everybody is developing right. You're not in the cloud coding constantly building these products with intellectual property, etc. And there are also people who don't even download a file once a month. Um, And so those those different aspects um, can all be managed within these two tools. And I I ran this response on (laughs) quite long, but all in all, no matter how many tools you have, it's going to come down to how you treat them, how you manage them. um, And, and that ultimately is going to give you the, the output you're looking for and the value that you need.
2: All right. So from the endpoint side, you know, we, we talked about, set and forget. All right. I worked long ago at a very large AV uh, provider. Not the one that we currently use for our stack. This was long, long ago in a galaxy that no longer exists. Um, Common thing that I ran into with the customers that, that we had there were the amount of items they had in their security stack. They had everything known to man. They had every possible solution that they were trying to run at the same time. Now, couple that with the fact that their IT department was tasked with being in charge of their security solution. I hate to tell you guys this, but your IT department probably is not as well versed in cyber as an actual SOC or members that have any kind of security background that you have available. Uh, What happens when you buy products, you implement them in your environment and you think, oh, the default config is perfectly fine. Well, that's what you get. That's what we call it. We call (laughs) it the easy bake oven method of doing security. It does not work. It is terrible. You cannot actually operate that way. A security solution has a baseline. Security solution baselines are designed to be tailored for your environment. One size does not fit all. These are not gloves. These are not hoodies like all of us are are rocking right now. It requires interaction. So think about this. The more products you have, the more time you're going to have to sink into configuring those on average for a mid-sized enterprise company. And I'm talking somebody that has maybe a thousand endpoints. You're looking at it, taking the greater part of six months to a year to properly tune one product for your environment. If you have eight products, There's no way you're getting them tuned in that first year. You will not have the manpower. You will not have the capability to do that. That's where having a team that is versed in this can expedite the process. Takes that off of your plate, ensures you are configured the right way, goes through and monitors what's coming in. And if something does come in, communicates to you and says, hey, this came in. We need to investigate this. Are you aware of it? So you don't have as many notifications blowing you up as you know most people would. It gives you the capability to focus on what's important. Running your business. Keeping your end users doing what they're doing, which is generating revenue for you. That's the important thing. That's what everybody's looking at these days.
1: And this, I don't even... Just based off of what you said there, Matt, I had something on my mind with uh, some of the databases that are utilized. And I genuinely have this question. I'm not sure of the answer, but you might know. Um, The databases that are being utilized by adding more tools, how many of these tools are using the same malware database? Or what what are you getting additionally by just stacking a bunch of these tools? Interesting you bring that up. So from working at one of those large
2: vendors, I can tell you this. There is no communication between different vendors, which is why if you go and you look at what a threat is classified as, it's always different. Nobody has the same classification. In fact, when threats are actually found, you would think the first thing would be letting people know we have a new threat. It's it's extremely severe. Here's how we prevent it. No, no. Vendors sit on it. If they find it, they sit on it they will let it run rampant for two weeks out in the wild until they're sure that their solution is able to prevent against it and that they've built everything into their content files. Yeah. Content files, the hash or whatever signature they want to put in place. And then they'll come out and they'll say, Oh, look, we found this. We prevent against it. Cool. How about the two weeks it took you to actually implement your solution? All your customers were still getting hit with it. It still wasn't being prevented. But it's okay, guys. Two weeks later, we prevent against it, which is why I I laugh because, you know, I'll find things, I'll throw them against our solution. It's prevented. Nobody will have any recollection of what's actually out there for this. But then a couple weeks later, I'll see another vendor come out and say, we've discovered a new threat. Okay. Well, if you discovered it two weeks after I did, then did I create the threat? Because that's kind of how it feels. We're preventing it. Before anybody knows that it exists, everybody else is just kind of sitting there playing catch up. And it's because they're waiting for it to either, you know, trip one of their rules for their EDR or they're waiting for somebody to get hit with it and get that machine so that they can reverse engineer, you know, what's actually on the machine and find that threat
1: and so the communication between all of these these organizations but you cannot stack your products and get any no. better protection right because no. they aren't- in
2: in fact when it comes to an endpoint solution uh you guys have heard of filter drivers right well i'll give everybody kind of a, a brief rundown cuz i know we're nerds we know this stuff other people may not a filter driver is going to basically be long and short a Driver that is on the machine, which gives different capabilities or access to parts of the system. If it is a kernel-level driver, such as what McAfee, Trellix, uh, Norton, Sentinel-1, any of these guys are leveraging, it gives them direct access to the file in, file out. Anything that's going through with the file system. So what happens when you have multiple AV solutions on there? that's where it gets into windows fun there's a thing called altitude and elevation it's where the driver resides in the call order on your system one has to be the alpha everything else has to be below that so one of your one of your solutions is going to be your primary solution and the rest are just going to be sitting there going oh hey they missed it i can i can prevent against that So adding all of those in there doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting better prevention or better detection or anything. It means you have a whole bunch of things sitting there waiting for something to fail so that it can try to take an action.
3: So in summary, you have to find the best solution to do both sides of this, but not necessarily stack it up. So let's pivot to the opposite objection that we get here where people have been preached vendor diversity and we know vendor diversity is important because if one solution you have all your eggs in one solution and that solution has an issue now everything has an issue how do we answer the vendor diversity question while also maintaining our simple but effective layered security strategy
1: You got the tough questions
2: today. <laughs> See, Mike doesn't show up. All the hard <laughs> questions come out. I don't know.
3: We'll make him come uh, back on later and answer it, please. we don't have a good one.
1: Uh, uh, the. I
0: mean, to Amalia, kick it off, I would... go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Emily.
3: So I would say. In answer, and this is how I answer this question when I've when I've gotten it from our prospects, and you guys can correct me um, if I'm wrong here, and obviously we're in a live environment, so here we go, um, <laughs> is that we do indeed practice vendor diversity by picking the tools that we're picking.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: We go through and pick very specific tools to perform a very specific job but you'll notice that we don't rely on one tool as the end all be all, especially now that we have these DR solutions as that tool. For example, even before EDR and CDR, we had Deep Instinct and Avidon. Those Mm -hmm. are two different platforms, two different pieces of the puzzle, we did not say we are going to now utilize X solution set all the way home because X solution set can easily be hacked. So I get this question from prospects where they're like, but now we're just only utilizing BlockWorks. Yep, you indeed are utilizing BlockWorks and you're utilizing BlockWorks stack, but BlockWorks stack inherently adopts
2: vendor diversity. Okay, there's- there's... You, yeah. you you did you did nail you did nail it so part of what needs to be conveyed when it when you talk about vendor diversity is we'll go back to the having multiple solutions thing here or we can even make this even more fun let's go one solution you have one solution but you find that it is not the solution that you want it is very much embedded in your environment what happens next you find a better solution but now you have everything in your environment. It's already tuned. It's already functional. How much time are you going to have to sink into getting the new product, getting it out to everybody, tuning it, copying everything over, if you can, from the, the other solution to ensure that when you cut over to the new solution, there's not going to be an impact within your environment. That's man hours. That's a whole bunch of man hours. Uh, last I checked, you know, when people were talking about not using the solution that I I had a long time ago, they would come up for renewal, and we'd start talking to them about a year out from their renewal because most of the contracts were three to five years. The common argument was, "We hate this product, but it's going to take us longer to implement a new product than we have left on our contract." It would take them on average about a year just to get the new product in and deployed, not even tuned. It would take them on average up to three years to have everything fully baked and operational. So even if they hated the product, even if they had one year left on a product that they loathed and despised, they were having to renew that product because they needed prevention or some some form of, a protection in their environment. And that's, that's bad. So why do we do vendor diversity at Blockworks? We take that lift off your plate. We go through, we vet the solutions. If we find the solution is a fit, and if we find that we can either augment or replace, we design how exactly that gets done so that we can make it as simple as possible. That way, when we push something out, There's no impact. It's very clear cut. It's very straightforward. It's business as usual for everybody that's on the end. All your end users, everybody. It's just carry on with your day. There is no interruption. There's no, let me get on your machine. I need to do this. No, we can do all that remotely. We have the capability. As I said, our EDR has some amazing capabilities built into it. Trust me, our DevOps team, we're leveraging those utilities and those capabilities and we're just starting. So when we do this diversity and we look at new things, we look at making modifications, there's going to be minimal lift on, on the customer side. The lift will be on our side, but that lift will generally be a one-time lift. And once we get it done, everybody's nice and smooth.
1: And Emily's use of the word stack, I think really, really (laughs) helps because when you have you might look as at blockworks as one vendor but we have a full stack of prevention mm-hmm. tools right and so at the cloud level if somebody gets an email maybe that email is a false negative right it makes it straight through to that user well if you have blockworks stack that prevention might have failed crazy thought i know but maybe in the off chance that it does that prevention might have failed well what's sitting on their endpoint another prevention tool they try to download that malicious pdf Mm -hmm. Deep Instinct steps in, grabs it in, Matt, you're not going to like this in the off chance that Deep Instinct (laughs) does not prevent this PDF that came in via email, right? Now you have Sniper. I know we haven't Mm -hmm. talked about it, but you have a Palo Alto firewall sitting there. They try to laterally move that PDF. And now you have a firewall sitting there waiting to prevent. It's not, I think when you're looking at detection and response, you can look at those tools names, right? And call that vendor diversity. But You can also
2: look at the EDR on the endpoint. The EDR on the endpoint now has the capability right. of finding lateral movement and all that fun stuff.
1: There is plenty of diversity within the blockwork stack. Uh, people get caught up on, I need three tools for my SaaS applications. I need three tools for my endpoint. Well, when you have prevention-centric postures sitting at the cloud on the network, on the endpoint, that's a lot of diversity there and a lot of options uh, you have to stop what may have been a false negative at one of those locations. And so uh, the stack really, it's something I thought about right when you said that, and there is diversity in the Blockworks stack.
2: Let's add one more piece to that. And let's bring this back to something that everybody's going to be looking at money. All right. So we have this stack with all of our different vendors that we're leveraging, right? Think about if you were doing this on your own, you have your stack with all of these vendors. Something goes sideways. Who's going to have to spend all the time going back and forth with their support, trying to get things done? Who's going to have to spend the time drafting up feature requests, following up on feature requests, making sure they're implemented, taking meetings to follow up on everything? Well, that would fall on you. If you don't have time to go through and configure things, Where are you gonna find the time to go through and have all these meetings with vendors to get it developed the way that you want it to be developed? That's why you have a team that manages everything. You want feature requests put in? Cool, you tell our team, our team approaches the vendors and says, we need this put in. What's the difference between you going and us going? You're one customer. We are acting on behalf of all of our customers. So we can throw a little bit more weight around. You go in there as one customer, they're going to put something on there and be like, okay, cool. Yeah. They got 500 endpoints. That's not, you know, that's not a major issue. We're not really looking at that. You let us go in there and it's, Oh, well they've got like 23,000 endpoints or, you know, 40,000 endpoints. We should probably take a look at this because that's going to have an impact. It works a little bit better. It takes things off your plate and it lets us handle everything And you get the confidence of having the best stack that you could possibly have. It's configured to run in your environment and tuned for your environment by engineers that are familiar with everything that needs to be done.
1: I think you get the best of both worlds um, Mm -hmm. when you're looking at our stack because you do have, like Matt was saying, that interaction with support, the IR response. You have something occur we can still look at this, how I just explained it, and say that we have these multiple vendors in multiple different locations in your environment or your organization. But when something occurs, that's one incident response. That's one investigation. That's one prevention action. Um, So it's really just kind of, it depends on where you place it. Blockworks is one vendor, absolutely. Um, But Blockworks is leveraging a lot of vendors, and you just don't have to deal with the multiple vendor interaction i guess for for lack of a better term for that um it's there's different aspects to it that that can make it appear that it's not what it what what it is i guess how
0: to put it in msp
3: terms you guys often use the term one throat to choke um and that's how you go out and sell your services as an msp and it services as an msp right um And we highly recommend you stay focused on those IT services as as an MSP, but then have one throat to choke when it comes to your cyber services as well. Um, And that's often how we see our most successful partners try to position what it is that we're doing in our full solution stack is that it is that one throat to choke. um, And they can tell that same story that you do in terms of your IT services and them coming to you, you coming to us is a very similar situation. Sorry, Elizabeth, I jumped on.
0: What oh, you saying, no, you're saying? <laughs> I was just going to say I think it's also important to highlight the fact that we do vet these services and how Tanner said they work cohesively together. So when you have all, um, you know, too many items on your stack and they don't cohesively work together, that's when it could get nasty. However, when you're utilizing Blockworks services and our stack, um, everything is tested and fully vetted prior to pushing out to our partners. Obviously and we handle the homework for you. We, we do the white um, glove onboarding. We handle all of the tuning uh, and so forth. So I feel like we really take away that um, burden of having to choose and change like Matt had brought up, where it, it could be scary to pick a new service.
3: That segues super well into something I want to touch on before we close out here today. We want this to be valuable, obviously, to BlockWorks partners. We want this to be valuable to people that might become BlockWorks partners. But at the end of the day, we want this to be valuable to the industry as a whole. Um, And we spend a lot of time talking about how we uh, perform our services and why we think that's the best today. Um, And I want to make sure we can walk away with, whether you utilize our services or not, an action plan for your steps forward. So, Um, I'd like us to talk just kind of three steps you could potentially take uh, from this prevention plus DR conversation in terms of where you're at. Um, And I'll kick it off, but I want you guys to really fill in the gaps here, is if you are currently utilizing solely a DR solution, you need to add prevention um, and find that prevention-centric solution that makes the most sense so that you're hitting things before they happen as opposed to watching something happen and then tattletaling to the teacher later um, like Fulmer Mm -hmm. eloquently put earlier. On the opposite end of the spectrum, if you're using a prevention solution, even BlockWorks prevention solutions, consider how you're going to add the DR component uh, for added telemetry, for added data, for added actionability, and for added log retention. And then from there, What's your next step? Where do you go from there in terms of an MSP that's ready to take it to the next level in terms of this overall security picture? So we've got step one and step two. If you're not utilizing one, definitely start utilizing the other. Uh, But then where should those that are doing that, where do they go next?
0: I think it's important to really understand how much time and effort goes into making sure those tools uh, work cohesively together. Like you said, if you have one, you need the other, but you also need to make sure that they work together and not against each other. Along with that, you're also going to need a team who knows how to work with those tools and fully um, understand how to onboard and how to do it properly, especially if you're not a BlockWorks a partner, you don't get that white glove onboarding. I think it's going to be very important to not just plug it and play, walk away. Uh, Like Matt said, it's not an easy bake oven, especially when you're managing it on your own.
1: I think I was going exactly where Elizabeth was with this. Um, It's very possible to manage your own security. I I can accept that, I I understand. However, you do need to be able to recognize when it does become too much. everybody mm-hmm. everybody's looking to grow everybody you cannot try and keep something in your wheelhouse um, that is going to get set and forgotten <laughs> I don't know where to go with that but to <laughs> set it and forget it um, you have to recognize when that's occurring and if you're going to be utilizing the stack and managing it on your own um, like I said um, there has to be a team going off of what Elizabeth says to to focus on that um, and and hopefully, based on what Emily says, it's both a um, DR and a prevention solution that that team is focusing on. Um, yeah. Can't fall victim to hubris. That's the biggest
2: thing. Just because you have everything in your environment doesn't mean that it's configured right. It doesn't mean you're going to be protected. Having it all in there and having the mindset of, oh, everything's good, doesn't mean it is. The last thing you want to do is have everything in there, have that mindset that's based around a high level of hubris and find out because that is never going to end well. There are far too many companies right now that are falling victim to that, that think they have everything they need in place. And they're finding out that it's just not the case. Their solution that was touted as being so amazing didn't do anything. It didn't stop the most rudimentary of attacks from getting in. So I look at it from the point of, and and this is going to sound really dumb, any environment that I work in, even if they are completely clean, I go into it from the mindset of they've already been breached. And the reason behind that is if I assume breach, I can work backwards and figure out what I need to on how to actually keep them secure.
0: It Reminds me of something my father told me growing up. He um, flew paragliders, and as you know, it's a little dangerous. It's you know uh, uh, we, uh, a wing and a giant propeller on your back. So he would always tell his students and and me is we go outside to kite. We don't go outside to fly. We're not going to ever assume that the conditions are well enough to fly. We're going to go out there and feel the environment and see um, you know what should be changed and if it's the right Date, if the wind is right, and so on and so forth. So I think it is important to, to know your environment and not have that I'm going to go flying today kind of mindset or my environment is fully protected um, at all times just because I have something in place.
3: It's that constant vigilance um, and whether that constant vigilance comes from your internal team or whether that constant vigilance comes from an external team, um, that's really that's really the wake up call um, that you need to have in terms of what is the constant vigilance on your solutions. Uh, And it's something that we constantly run into. We, We have great partners that also choose to manage some of their own pieces internally. And we had a couple earlier this week, they're like, hey, red flag, what's going on here? And it's this major wake up call of I said this and I thought it was working, but it's not necessarily working the way I thought it was. Um, so who's who's got your back um, and who's paying attention to that and who's having the vigilance and who's who's the foamer in your environment looking for, okay, if something nasty is getting in, how's it getting there? Um, and who's the tanner and the Elizabeth in your environment of analyzing, okay, this action happened, what does it mean? What does it correlate to and where is it going? And what do I need to do with it? So in short, um, obviously these are all solutions that Blockworks offers. This is part of the team that is fabulous at putting these pieces in play. I love being able to represent Blockworks in this way because I know we are supported by this superb, um, first-class technical team and engineering team on the back end. So those of you that may be sitting here thinking, "Okay, you've just told me what my next steps are. What do I need to do?" I'm not naive enough to think that all of you are going to just flock over to us and and choose us as a solution, um, obviously, we'd love you to do that or at least explore it. So if you would like to take that next step, you're going to want to hit the BlockWorks website and hit a contact us form. If you throw in there that you are on the safety brief today, that will really help us in terms of starting that conversation and where we're at. Uh, If you want to put questions in the chat, whether it is you're watching this live or whether you are watching this recorded, we will make sure we monitor those um, and follow up accordingly with any questions that you've got there as we've talked about on this webinar, we launched SCUD plus CDR on Tuesday. Um, So if you just came into this webinar and you're like, what on earth is this new thing that I've never heard about? That's okay. We've done um, one announcement about it. We had a webinar about it on Tuesday, the 28th of November. For those of us not watching this this week, um, that product is brand, brand new. We have layered in sas alerts to our scud offering it is now available together so that we have greater actionability we have greater log retention we have greater um, flexibility in our automation and how we're delivering that. And then, if those of you that are coming up here and saying, Man, I'm not sure what Made plus EDR is, I just knew Made, that launched in August. Um, so, we're still getting lots of people on board with that new application as well. And that one's power- powered by Lima Charlie um, in addition to our Deep Instinct side. So, if you are ready to take those next steps, we would love to hear from you. Two options, like I said, the Blockworks contact us form. Um, or if you want to hit sales at blockworks.com and just mention you were on the safety brief uh, that will help us direct you in the right way. Um, For those that were here for the education piece, we hope you got something out of it in terms of uh, where you need to go next, whether you need to add prevention, add DR, add the team, um, look at your stack in terms of making it complete. That's where we stand. Closing remarks from everybody else. Thank you so much, um, as always, for joining me, team. Of
0: course, and always stay frosty.
1: Thank you.